guys. This is the New Heights Church Podcast, and we just want to welcome you and thank you for joining us today. We hope this message inspires and encourages you. Here at New Heights, we exist to love people and point them to Christ. Enjoy today's service. Amen. Would you stand to your feet with me, please, just for a moment? Father, I'm asking that your people would hear your voice today and not mine. I'm asking that you would shape us, change us, and mold us like only you can do. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Amen. Please be seated. Open your Bible to Hebrews chapter number 11. Hebrews chapter number 11. The Bible says that without faith, you cannot please God. The Bible says it's impossible to please God without faith. In other words, we need to know what faith is. We need to know what faith is about. We need to know when to live by faith. So let me just give you uh, a couple of of cliff notes, and then we're going to dive into some new material. First off, faith, the Bible says, is how we please God, but it also indicates that it is what we stand under. Hebrews 11 and 1 says, now faith is. Let's read those three words together. Now faith is. So faith has a timetable. That timetable is the exact same timetable that your God operates on. Your God, when Moses asked him, who do I tell, who do I tell the people that you are? He said, I am that I am. In other words, I am present. When you say I am, you are indicating a present tense condition. The Bible says now faith is. Doesn't say faith was. Come on, somebody. Doesn't say faith will be, even though it's certainly available out there. Now, faith is. You're going to have to live by faith today. What you did to get you to where you are is wonderful. The belief that you had to get you through the thing that you went through does not exclude you from having to go through something else tomorrow. You're going to have to live by faith tomorrow, too. And if not, you'll be on a carousel of why is this happening to me? 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 I'll tell you why it's happening to you. Because it rains on the just and the unjust alike. We live in a cursed world. We live in a realm that everything is not perfect. We live in a realm where bad things happen to good people. We live in a realm where good things happen to bad people. So we've got to get to the place where even though we are in the world, we no longer look like the world. In other words, we're in the world, but we're not of the world. Come on, let's say that together. I'm in the world, but I am not of the world. That positions you in a completely different set of circumstances, even though you might be experiencing the same thing. So for example, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That word substance can be translated in the original language as, as, as standing under. So in other words, it could say faith is what we stand under. So if you got two people standing in a rainstorm, one of them has an umbrella, one of them doesn't. Now all of a sudden, the one that has the umbrella has a completely different experience than the one who does not have an umbrella. I was caught in a rainstorm the other day. I was about two hours in it in the middle of uh, central Texas, south Texas. And listen, I was soaked to the bone of my bone of my bones. Come on, somebody. But if I had had a, um, an umbrella, it would have been a completely different scenario. Same environment, 
different scenario. So say you and a coworker are in your office and the coworker, maybe they're not born again, or maybe they don't go to a, a good Bible teaching church. So they don't know that they have victory over all things. Come on, somebody. So they're sitting there and, and the boss walks by and says, Hey, just a heads up guys, we're going to have some layoffs and both of y'all's names are on the list. Now you're standing there. The exact same information hit you and hit them, but because you have an umbrella, can I call it something different? And because you have the shield of faith, come on somebody. Now all of a sudden, the fiery dart that just came your direction was quenched by the shield of faith, but the person who is not justified by faith, now all of a sudden they're laying on the desk trying to figure out how am I going to feed my kids? How am I going to do anything? Oh my goodness gracious, I just bought a new car. I don't know what's going to happen. And you're sitting there with the exact same data, but a completely different experience. Because you are standing under faith. Faith doesn't say, I have it all. Faith says, he has it all. Faith doesn't say, I understand everything. Faith said, I actually don't understand everything. But I do believe his plans for my life are bigger than anything I can come up with anyway. So faith is what we stand under, which creates a completely different experience. The Bible says the just shall live by faith. I need three people to say amen to that. If you don't know that you have been justified by faith, we got to start a whole series right now. When it says the just shall live by faith, that's talking about you. Don't, Don't hear somebody say, oh, the justified and think we're talking about somebody else. Oh, no. If you're born again, let me tell you something. You will not be more saved tomorrow if you don't cuss tonight. You're either born again or you are not born again. When you are born, when you are born again, you're born into a completely different life. Does that mean God ignores sin? Absolutely not. But he's cast yours as far as the east is from the west. That means you don't sit there and hear promises of God like they're written to somebody that's more holy than you. They were written for you. How do you know? Because you're righteous. How are you righteous? You have been made righteous by the blood of Jesus Christ. Well, what happens if I fall? He said you would. The righteous may fall seven times. Come on, somebody. But the righteous get back up. So for you and for me, we got to get the revelation that the just shall live by faith. You have been justified by faith, by the blood of Jesus. Therefore, you are born again. You're in the family of God. You're in the kingdom of God. Therefore, every promise in the Bible belongs to you. And every promise in the Bible with regards to you are yes and amen. That means when the Bible talks about being healed by the stripes on Jesus back, every time you read that, you ought to go, that's for me right there. Glory to God. That's for me right there. One of my good friends, his name is Johnny. I remember one time I got him a present and everywhere it says you in the Bible with a promise connected to it, I got him a Bible that says Johnny. So it says Johnny was healed by the stripes on Jesus' back. Everywhere it said it. For God so loved Johnny that he gave his only begotten son so that Johnny could believe on him and be saved. Come on, somebody. Every promise in the Bible belongs to you. You have been justified by faith. So the first thing you got to wash out is some of the stinking thinking that makes you think that you're going to somehow be closer to God tomorrow than you were yesterday. Let me tell you something. You can't get any closer than saved. Now you can walk cleaner. You can walk more pure. You can walk holier. But when it comes to the things of God, the Bible says when you get born again, you can boldly walk into the throne room of God and make your request known unto him. Matter of fact, the Bible says you have not because you didn't ask. Oh, ye of little faith. Faith.
faith is what we live by. And there's never going to be a substitute. I found out this week, there's a substitute for brown sugar. You know what it doesn't taste like? Thank you. That's because it's a substitute. There is not going to be a substitute for faith. You're not going to wake up one day and go, well, you know, I think because I'm special and you are special, but it's not going to get you out of living by faith. Think about Moses. He goes and meets God, thinks his whole life's going to be, oh man, now I know who God is. Hey, I just look here. Leprosy? No leprosy. Leprosy? No leprosy. This dude is bad. Picks up his stick, throws it down, snake. Picks it up, stick. Throws it down, snake. Picks it up, stick. Man, I got some power. I know God. God said, go back to Egypt. Say what? (laughs) You don't understand. Everybody there knows I'm a sinner. Remember he had murdered a guy? You want me to go where? I want you to go back to Pharaoh's house. Um... They have a shoot on sight order for me. If I go back to Egypt, they're going to kill me. He goes, well, I'm sending you back. He said, you want me to go back to Egypt? He said, yeah. He said, oh, by the way, you and your whole house is going to be saved. You can take your brother with you. He walks back in to Egypt and he said, I know you guys think I'm just Moses, but God touched me. And you better let my people go. He said, your people, you weren't raised with them. We pulled you out of a river. That's what sin will start doing. Sin will start trying to make you feel guilty for being redeemed. Sin will try to make you start feeling guilty. And then your friends will say stuff like this. And they're not trying to be wrong, but they'll say stuff like this. Man, you sure have changed. And I'm all like, "Uh, isn't that the point? You sure have changed. You don't want to hang out with us anymore. That's not true. I don't want to sin anymore. Well, you used to be cool. You used to be whatever. You used to be this. Look, if you're still hanging around a bunch of potheads, I'm not talking about winning the loss. I'm not talking about witnessing. I'm talking about smoking dope and skipping rope all day. If you're still doing that, hanging around that, Sooner or later, some of that's going to rub off in your scenario. You want to meet us at the bar? No. Why not? You busy? No, I'm not going to do anything. What I'm doing is not going to the bar. Well, what's wrong with the bar? I don't want to go sin. The Bible said be drunk with the Spirit. Not drunk with wine. For those of you who don't understand the King James Version, you can put beer in there too. (laughs) Leviticus 10.9 says, don't drink any strong drink on the way to the temple to pray. Said this is an ordinance for all generations to come. Are you saying I can't be a Christian and drink? I'm not saying that at all. But since when did the target be to see what we can get away with? I just want Jesus. Holiness is for you. It's not for him. You think God struggles with holiness? Holiness is for us. I'll tell you what it's for. It's because we'll all be scrutinized. And holiness, and I'm not talking about scrutinized by God. 
I'm talking about we're going to be scrutinized sooner or later by our peers for something. And holiness means when they pull the hood and they start looking to see what's under there, there's going to be some stuff. But holiness says there's not going to be some extra stuff. That's what holiness is for. Discipline is not for God. Discipline is for you. If you eat 4,000 calories a minute, you're going to be shocked how fast the weight comes on. Discipline is for you. It's not for God. Discipline is what we do to understand that we understand the Bible. Now we're in the world, but we're not of the world. Things start to shift completely. You say, well, hang on a minute. I didn't know that area of my life was supposed to be for God. All of it. Like literally all of it. Whatever you withhold from God, you are responsible for. But whatever you give him, he will breathe on. Your business, have you tried to do it on your own? Have you been so convinced that your idea was right that you never asked God, is this what I should be doing? Your job, have you been so committed to your job? And and a Christian should be committed to the place they're employed. You should work for your job like Jesus was signing your paycheck. I'm going to say that again because I don't want anybody to think I misspoke. The scripture says we do everything as unto the Lord. It sets you free from your arrogant jerk boss when you do that. Now you're not showing up early and on time because your boss is going to yell at you if you don't. You're showing up early and on time because you know if you're going to be faithful with this little job God gave you, he'll give you a big old job. Come on, somebody. He'll put you over cities. But the understanding that there's no substitute for faith is paramount in the body of Christ, especially today. I'd like to read a few scriptures, and then we're going to be dismissed. The scripture says in Hebrews 11 and verse number 19, and I've been hung up on this verse. Like the last three services, we we never made it past this verse. We're going to make it past it today. But accounting that God was able, what that means is you put the God factor in every equation of your life and God can't fail. That means when you're thinking about your problems, don't just leave it like you don't know if it's gonna work out. Meditate, account, think that God is able. When I went to engineering school, we always had to balance our process equations. But when you put the X factor that is God in an equation, it will never be balanced. It will always work out somehow for your benefit before the end of the thing's written because God can't fail. Come on, let's say that together. God can't fail. He can't fail. So we account. We go from the beginning. Don't just wait until God did it to start bragging on God. This is, that is infant Christianity. That is, that is milk Christianity. I'm talking about bragging on God in the face of the devil. In the middle of the valley of the shadow of death. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Devil, you could breathe down my neck and I'm still not scared of you. Because God is with me. How do you figure? I've accounted... 
I have tabulated. I have added him to the equation. Now, all of a sudden, the only question is when, not if. You say, well, when does it happen? The Bible says that you reap if you faint not. So now it's, now it's this. Anytime the devil starts putting pressure on me, I said, God's going to hit you. You mess with the wrong Christian. You mess with the wrong Christian. You should have never come near my house. You should have never come near my house. You should have gone to somebody else's house. You shouldn't have hit this church. You should have never come near this church. You're about to get hit so hard, every demon on the hit list is going to feel it. You should have never come near me. Now you're accounting that God is able. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians that the thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph. In other words, we don't tabulate that we're going to lose. We don't calculate that we're going to lose. And if it looks like we're going to lose, we'll have the ultimate victory. Because heaven's not a penalty. Because we're going to take into account that God is able. You say, well, how's it going to work out? Well, I don't know. But I do know God is able. There's going to be a building pop out of the ground right on the other end of this building. It's going to be very expensive. Why? Because we're building God a beautiful house. How are we going to pay for it? God's people. How are they going to be blessed? God's going to do it. When's it going to happen? When God decides. When we put an expectation on the things of God. When we decide God is able. When we stop calculating how strong the devil is. The devil is under your foot. The devil is licking the bottom of your boot. Put a little pressure on his neck from time to time. The Bible says that Goliath came and he was standing there and said, I'm going to kill every one of you Israelites. I'm so big. Look at all my fingers and toes. I'm super big and super strong. Will any of you clowns come out here and fight me? And all the Israelite army was there. King Saul was there who was head and shoulders above all the other men. He should have strapped on his armor and gone out and fought the Philistine. But instead, a shepherd boy came bringing some food for his brothers and an offering for the guys who led his brothers. And all of a sudden, he's sitting there talking, hey, how's it going, guys? Yeah, sheep are doing good. Dad's good. Everybody's good. Matter of fact, you know, uh, I got somebody looking after the chariot that I rode over with right now. And just things are good. And all of a sudden, he hears in the distance somebody saying, there is no God in Israel. And David said, say what? He said, who is that screaming down there? I said, David, keep your voice down, man. He said, don't you know that's Goliath? That's the champion of the Philistine. He said, well, a champion of the Philistine is still under my foot. He said, he said, who is that screaming? He said, that's Goliath. He said, well, well, how come nobody's killed him yet? He said, have you seen him? He said, I don't need to see him. He said, he comes against me with sword and staff. He said, but I go against him in the name of the Lord. He said, he said, I don't need to see him. And here's what happened. David walks out there. Now, granted, King, King Saul, he was trying to uh, like help his reputation. You know, when somebody starts doing something good, everybody that should have been doing it wants to act like they're involved now. You know, like a politician. So, so David comes walking out and he says, here, no, little boy, you can use my armor. David puts the armor on. He said, your armor don't work. I can't move in this. 
That's what religion does. It makes it where you can't move. You ever been in a place where God is? Everybody's like this. There's movement in the things of God. The atmosphere just requires, it's almost like a rhythm and a cadence to the things of God. It's not always exactly like this, but, but you almost never enter into a place where it's just like dead air and you go, wow, God's here. <laughs> oh, you usually walk in and go, who kicked God out? David walks out and Goliath begins to scream and yell. And he says this, he said, he said, who is this that you've sent me? Did you send a little dog out here? Now, there was another person I remember was called a dog. There was a woman, Shunammite woman, came to Jesus. And she said to him, she said, my daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. He said, he said, would you cast the devil out? And the Bible said Jesus ignored her. And the Bible says, as soon as that happened, she began to worship God. When's the last time you thought God was ignoring you, yet you worshiped anyway? She began to worship, and then the Bible says she began to just just uh, give praise and honor to God. And 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 the disciples are like, "Hey, can you? Is there any way that you could just you could just make her go away?" It's what the disciples said. Do you want us to make her go away? And then all of a sudden, uh, uh, he said, "Look, lady, now listen. I appreciate the worship." He said, "But but it's not y'all's time yet." He said, "Because he said right now it's time for me to hand the bread out to the children I already have." He said, "He said not for people uh, that are like still in the house." He said, but, but uh, the King James says a little dog, but, but the little dog is not like, like some stray dog. It's actually the, the word for dog. That's like the one that's kept in the house close to everybody. I don't know about you, but if you started calling one of my dogs, just the dog, my wife's head would pop up and spin around because our dogs aren't just dogs. Come on, somebody. If you've ever buried one of your dogs after 15 years, they're not just dogs. Cats. Meh. Dismissed. <laughs> Give me three more minutes. She says to him, she says, yes, Lord, truth. But even those that are in the house that aren't children, they at least get to eat the crumbs. I'm not asking you for the whole loaf. Any piece of what you have is sufficient. The Bible says, woman, I've never seen great faith like this. Said her daughter was made whole. Just like that. Maybe David had a revelation that being called a dog wasn't exactly a negative thing. I remember Gideon had an army. And it was huge. He said, we're about to go ransack the enemy. God said, not with all them, you're not. One of the first things I tell pastors that are starting churches is don't try to hang on to everybody. You don't want to go to war with everybody. A lot of times they leave you, let them leave you. (laughs) You want to go to war with somebody that'll fight for you. God said, not that many. He said, how many? He said, not that many. He said, tell you what, watch the ones that drink like dogs and use them. So maybe David had a revelation. That being called a dog wasn't exactly a negative thing. He said, he said, he said, you sent a little, little dog out here? You could hear Goliath. Send me the little dog then. Bring him on out. Little dog, I'm going to kill you and feed you the birds. David. 
didn't allow his adversary to have the last word. He said, you may think you're going to kill me. But before this day is over, I'm going to cut your head off and I'm going to feed you to the birds. Can I say it different? Everything David said came to pass. What are you saying? Because the power of life and death is in your mouth. The power of life and death is in your mouth. So when we're going through our challenges, we got to go through them accounting that God is able. We don't go through them acting like God might fail. He said, well, well, what happens if I don't see it? Then you tell your children, listen, I know I didn't see it, but you will. Well, that sounds like a lack of faith. No, that sounds like a hero from our Bible. I don't know why some things happen and some things don't. But I know you can't please God without faith. And I know there will always be a thousand substitutes pop up to try to convince you that this is the way or that is the thing. But you're going to have to live by faith. You're going to have to stand on the word of God. The Bible says in verse 20, by faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau concerning things to come. Verse 21, by faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed both the sons of Joseph and worshiped, leaning upon the, the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when he died, made mention of the departing of the children of Israel and gave commandment concerning his bones. I love that. He said he gave commandment concerning his bones. He said, even if I die, don't you stop believing. If you don't know it, we're in a completely different time now. The days of lukewarm Christianity are over. The days of coming to church and just sucking up all the air conditioning is over. The days of coming to church and acting like it's Walmart where you can walk by one segment and not take it, but then just cherry pick the things you want out of it. It's over. Today, right now, this season, is a time of faith. It's a time when we decide there's not a substitute for faith, and I'm taking it, like Joseph, to the bone. And if I die and I don't see it, then just know this. I didn't die not believing. I died believing God. I died believing Him that He would do exactly what He said He would do. I see through a glass darkly. He doesn't see through a glass darkly. I'm not halfway giving my life. I'm giving my life to the max. Because faith is how you please God. What is faith? Faith is what you stand under when you can't see the answer. Faith is what you stand under when everybody around you is telling you it's not going to work. And you say, I have already accounted that God is able. You can't knock me off of this. I remember when Crystal and I, when, when we... 
when we, we were first married, it wasn't long, we'd, we'd been married. And I said, baby, I said, I know I got this great job. I got all these benefits, everything else, and that's really good. I said, but, but man, I, I don't think I can do it. I, I, I want to go. I want to start our own thing. I want to go and do. I, I said, I, I can't tell you exactly how it's going to work out. I said, but, but what do you think about that? She said, if it's me and you in a ditch, that's fine with me. And we ain't never lived in a ditch. Come on, somebody. But what I'm telling you is the commitment has got to be like Joseph to the bone. You've waited your whole life to commit yourself to something to the bone. You've looked for something real. Everybody does. There's an innate desire in everybody. What is the cause that I can give my life for? His name is Jesus and he is worth it all. Don't halfway do it. Don't halfway give your life. Don't halfway love people and point them to Christ. Do it to the bone and then already decide if death comes knocking at my door. I'll still say, just make sure death knows my bones are saved too. Because there's not going to be a substitute for faith. There's nothing else. That's why so many people can be led into all of these incredibly radical movements so easily. It's because inside of every human being, there's an innate desire to give your whole life for something. To give your effort and your talents and your resources. It's a beautiful song. It says, my life is not my own. To you I belong. I give myself away. God, I love love giving myself away to you, Lord. I'm shocked at how he will use me at times when I feel like I have nothing. I was at dinner the other night. I tell the story because this is what your life is supposed to look like. I was at dinner the other night with my wife. We're on a date. And a young lady is waiting on us. She's doing a great job. She's as radiant as a human being could be. But I knew she was hurting. And I just want to. I don't want to leave somebody hurting who Jesus wants to heal. So I said, can I tell you something? She said, what? I said, the chicken's dry. No, I didn't say that. I said, let me tell you about Jesus. Oh, he's thinking about you right now. And I, a lot of times we tell these stories about like the times when God gives us like this beautiful insight. And, and that moment he actually did. But I don't only do that in moments when I have insight into their life. I do it because I have insight into this book. If you know John three sixteen, you know enough about somebody's life to get the whole world saved ten times over. You don't have to know their social security number because God downloaded it to you for you to talk to them. You can simply say, have you met Jesus? Can I tell you something? They might laugh at you. They laughed at him. When's the last time you were ridiculed because of your faith? I don't like try to get ridiculed, but I get nervous if I'm not occasionally. You know the ones who ridicule the most? The ones that don't think they need anything. Because the devil hits those the hardest 
that he wants off the map. But if you're not doing anything on the chessboard, he'll just let you move around. Then you'll start getting serious. And then it's like, what is this? Where did all these shots come from? Oh my goodness gracious. You're in the game now. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there are a couple of things that I'd love for you to do. Number one, subscribe to our show. That way, the most recent episodes will always be in your feed waiting for you, ready when you are. And secondly, follow us on social media. That is the best way to stay up to date on everything happening at New Heights. We look forward to you joining us next time on the New Heights podcast. And if you are ever in the Bryan College Station area, we invite you to come out to New Heights Church for a live service. I promise we'll make you feel right at home.